0: Welcome to My Story Radio. This is
1: Tuesday,
0: May thirteenth, two 2008, and we are on the campus of Olivet Nazarene University. Uh, we we kind of commandeered a classroom here. I don't think we have permission to do this, but hopefully nobody will bust in. Uh, it's uh, late at night. Well, not quite late. I guess it's about, uh, what is it, about? About 7.30. About 7.30. And uh, in this makeshift studio, I've got... Uh, friend of mine, John Price, Uh, and maybe I should introduce myself for people who are new to the show. My name is Tom McComb, and I'm the host, the producer, everything for My Story Radio, and um, we're glad that you're listening to us today, and it's actually been uh, probably about a year since I recorded last, and so I know that there are probably some lonely listeners out there that are just waiting for the next uh, broadcast, and so... Again, I'm going to make uh, what I'm hoping to be not an empty commitment, but to just pick up on this and and make it a little bit more often. My premise, as you see on our website, is that I believe that there are stories out there that deserve to be heard, um, stories of faith, um, stories yeah. of God's faithfulness, and and how God leads through difficult situations. And my my tagline for the site is, "What's your story?" And so we get to hear from John today. Um, but even as you're out there uh, in the world somewhere, you've got a story to tell, or you got questions, or um, you've got uh, you've got somebody who you think we ought to be talking to on this show. Uh, write me at letters at my letters at mystoryradio.com and we look forward to hearing from you. I do get a couple of uh, of listener emails, but not a whole lot. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to talk with John uh john price is a salvation army officer in the chicago area and i'm sure we'll hear a lot about his responsibilities now but more about what god has led him through recently so john thank you for coming to the show you're very welcome and i just for the sake of the people who've never met you if uh if somebody ran into you on the street uh what would they need to know about you? What do you think you would want them to know about you as a person?
2: Well, I'd want them to know that I'm a, uh, a person that cares about other people, that I, I trust in God with my life, and uh, I find value in everyone I meet. And uh, I believe that uh, we're put on earth to make a difference in the lives of other people and to point them to, to the Lord. And, mm-hmm. um I think that's the most important thing to me. I I work uh, at a homeless uh, ministry in Chicago, and uh, we work with the homeless on the north side of Chicago predominantly, but uh, about 350 homeless people come through our building every day. So I I think just instilling value and worth in everyone, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they want to recognize that they have value or believe that they do, maybe they've been down and out and had a hard time in life and don't see the value in themselves, but... That's kind of what I've dedicated my life to—is uh, letting others know they—they're valuable. they are people that care about them. Maybe sure. don't even know their name, but care anyway.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what I want people to know.
0: Oh, that's that's very exciting. And uh, you've got a family.
2: I have a family. I've got two daughters, uh, 19 and 20. I'm a grandpa I'm, by about seven months now. A oh, Beautiful little girl. Yes, she's just adorable and uh, kind of fully invested in that, spoiling her and sending her home with her with my daughter and. Uh, and then, of course, my wife, we serve alongside one another with Salvation Army, and I've done that for 23 years, and mm-hmm. enjoying it quite a bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, let's hear what's going on with you. Well, um, you, you know a little bit about me. We've been friends over the years, um, but I, I think I might even shock you. I, I've gone through all kinds of health problems, and uh, they've kind of come to a head again. Um, uh, you know, it's easy to trust the Lord when skies are blue, and everything's true. going well, and... You know, maybe it doesn't even seem to have a cost to it. It's uh, it's easy to say I have, you know, faith and and uh, everything's going to be okay. But I think it's different when you, you face, you know, one or two or three or maybe more uh, maladies or illnesses. And I've gone through all kinds of different things. And, you know, I, I thought maybe just to replay a little bit of what I've gone through, just to kind of build the case for what I'm going through now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very up to date because, as, as I mentioned off the air before we started talking, I. I go into the hospital this Friday night uh, for some further testing for uh, some neurological disorders. And wow. I'll, I'll kind of bring you up to date of how we got there. And, you know, I, I found that every time I get going in my life, it seems like uh, at some point God has me laying on my back looking up and saying, what now? You know, sure. what next? What I'm, What is wow. this about? And, uh-huh. um, but there's many different things. I had uh, melanoma four times and then. If that were not enough, um, five years after that, I had uh, problems with my kidney shutting down. And then uh, the diabetes got out of control, and I had a heart condition requiring seven different cardiac meds. And then I took seven different inhalers and pills for severe obstructive uh, sleep apnea and asthma. Mm-hmm. Uh, restless leg syndrome, periodic limb movement, congestive heart failure, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetic peripheral neuropathy, psoriasis, and... Oh McDonald had a farm I mean al- almost everything you could imagine but uh, through it all uh, God has been faithful mm-hmm. um, I could have died many many times i I was born by accident I, in fact my mother was pregnant with me and got in a car accident wow. and went into labor right there in the car accident uh blood everywhere they found out she broke her nose in several places protecting me
1: you know wow. putting her arms sure. over
2: over her belly and mm-hmm. her nose broke uh, subsequently and but then a number of years later, I had a severe asthma attack and went down for the count, and paramedics had to revive me, and mm. my mother was doing CPR on me and everything, and and I lived through that, and then I had the cancer, and I lived through that, and then I had the, the congestive heart failure, and et cetera. And then uh, in '05, I was visiting with my cardiologist at a, at a follow-up visit, and I said, what's life going to be like in, in 10 years? I was only 45 at the time, and he said, you don't have anything to worry about, Mr. Price. I, I said, why? And he said, you won't be alive in, in 10 years. And that was just three it, years it, ago. Yes. If he was being dramatic, he, he made his point very well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, you know, God sent me signals all along. That I needed to do something different with my life and get my health in order and et cetera. And, I wouldn't pay attention either. I'd be in the hospital, the intensive care, looking up in the air going, what now? You've got my attention, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I would go through it again and over and again and uh, multiple times. Uh, but uh, in '05, I, I applied uh, and went through an exhaustive process with our insurance company and things to to see about a gastric bypass. So yeah, I had to lose a lot of weight. I was over well over 300 pounds. And, oh, wow. And, uh, well, I mean, you couldn't tell today, but... Uh, back then I was in horrible health and not a whole lot better now but but alive and the prospects are very good that I'll be alive quite a while Um, so I had the gastric bypass and most of my conditions went away immediately Mm -hmm. I mean almost the day after surgery I went off all medications I wasn't on any for a year Mm -hmm. and then as you got out of the hospital and got set and started eating food again about a year started eating solid food again you had a a soft diet and a liquid diet and all these things over the time but
1: mm-hmm. after
2: about a year I, I started eating solid food again and then uh, you know you picked up 10 or 20 pounds or something like you're supposed to and and um, then things started occurring again oh boy and, you know some of the neurological disorders started showing up again and uh, you know the periodic limb movement the restless legs the sleep apnea the peripheral neuropathy where you lose the the filling in your feet and hands a uh, a lot of older folks get it with diabetes, or people have diabetes a long time, and you step in the water of the tub, and you can't tell how hot it is until it gets to the part of your foot where or your leg where you have filling. Wow. Uh, it's very odd. It's a strange sensation to step on your feet, and they're always like asleep, pins and needles kind of thing.
0: And that could be dangerous. It's very, it's, very dangerous. If the water's scalding, you don't know until it's too Well, late.
2: you don't know, and you've already had the second-degree burns, and it's very uh, traumatic for a lot of people, and they burn layers of skin off their feet, and... Uh, I, while well, I don't have it that severe, I do have it uh, problematic in my hands where I'll drop something I'm holding on to or
1: mm-hmm.
2: other things. And then um, recently I got osteoarthritis and I wear braces on both legs and oh, really? so I clank a mm-hmm. lot. And, but, you know, I, I go about my day in such a way that, I mean, I've known you, what, 10 years maybe, and mm-hmm. I don't think you knew any of that. I, no, no. I mean, it's it's not evident unless, you know, you go around with a, Sour face, woe is me, you know, I've sure. got all these braces to put on and all these things to go through, and and sometimes that's the case, but the um, majority of the time, you know, that's kind of relegated to home. I mean, you kind of feel bad going through a one-hour routine, getting up every night or every morning and going to bed every night. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I,
0: I would think that through this, I mean, obviously, you're getting a whole medical education through all this because of all the yes. things that you had to get smart about and even to just... Take care of yourself and follow the doctor's orders. You had to understand a lot about all this, yes. uh, but I, I think you're right. I mean, when when we're faced with adversity, we we do have a choice in how we respond to that. And and you're right. I mean, when you carry yourself, you know, there's, you know, I mean, your your face does not belie suffering. I mean, you're not you're not visually suffering. You're not. Portraying that to people, and and that that's a choice that you had to make. I mean, obviously, you could be, you know, grimacing, complaining, you know.
2: It is a choice. I, yeah. I, I once um, had a, a seminar that I had attended, and um, with, with work, and and uh, the speaker said things in life can make you better or better. And that I that was fifteen years ago, but that's just stuck in my head all these years, and. Yeah you know, as I went through things, it's bitter or better, you know, and I want to be sour about, you know, the the grapes I've got or, you know, or make grape juice or lemonade or however the saying goes. And, you know, you just you realize God has never failed me uh, through all this. I'm still alive. I, I still have joy in my life. I I cut up with the, the best of us. We joke and have fun. And, you know, I, I try not to complain. And uh, at times it's a struggle. But, you know, you you make a choice, like you said, it what is this going to do to me how's it going to affect my outlook on life Mm -hmm. Um, my aspirations what i want to be what i want to do i mean i've got life i mean i wasn't going to die Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i mean there was no doubt in my mind a cardiologist said it and he had the reports in front of him you know i mean Mm -hmm. it was it was certain to happen if if something didn't change but uh,
0: you know it's kind of interesting but when you started talking you said um you said that it's easy to believe in God. It's easier to trust in him when the skies are blue. It is. And one of the things, I guess maybe I want to dig a little bit with this with you because I think with the people that you serve, with the Salvation Army and the homeless ministry that you that you deal with, and obviously you're dealing with, with uh, some mental illness mm-hmm. that you see coming in, uh, some uh, chemical dependency, yes.
1: uh,
0: health issues obviously are part of it as well. You see people that are really, in many ways, they've hit bottom. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I I guess maybe I'm confused about it because I think, and as I as I minister with the Salvation Army, and sometimes people that are very comfortable that don't really see the need for faith because they haven't had that crisis happen in their lives. And yet, and and maybe maybe you can speak to this on how. Somebody who is that low, somebody who you minister to, mm-hmm. but then also you with all these health concerns—that all of a sudden the faith becomes real and it becomes something, something, and maybe even the only thing you can hold on to.
2: At times it is, it, and you know, there's a there's a correlation between uh, what what you have and, and how well life is for you, mm-hmm. and it has to do with health and. And money and, you know, finance, personal finances, and so many different things. Attitude, uh, your upbringing, what you've had and what you've lost. And, yep. you know, some people fall farther than others. I mean, we've had homeless bankers and homeless school teachers and uh, people that have, have had wonderful jobs. And, very and, successful to, careers. Yes, and uh, foreclosure and, uh, you know, an addiction ensued, loss of a spouse. I mean, there are so many things that can catapult somebody out of control. Uh, one of one of my favorite sayings is uh, the other side of the desk. You have to always think about the other side of the desk when you're serving people because, you know, we're one paycheck away from the other side of the desk.
1: Yeah, that's you right. You know,
2: when you keep that in mind, it's somebody's mother, somebody's brother, somebody's son. Uh, you, you put it into perspective. It's It puts a face on things. It's not. The person you walk by that's holding out a Hardy's cup, you know, when you put some quarters in it, yeah. you know, or panhandling on the street wanting to wash your window or something, mm-hmm. you know, maybe an annoyance at times. But sometimes we look away, we don't want to see them. We call them the faceless people in society, but they're not. They're, yeah. uh, they have faces and they have names and, well, it kind of and reminds me, you know, they fall so, real far sometimes.
0: Yeah, there was a man who we knew in, uh, in uh, Rochester mm-hmm. who was the supervisor of the bakery at the local uh, grocery store. He was the one who initiated the donation of day-old bread to the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. And I saw him one day, and he came in, and he explained some of the health concerns that he had had and some of the crises that he went through in life. And the fact now that he was the recipient of that bread that he had initiated the Uh donation of. And, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, some people say we're... um, you know, two paychecks away from being homeless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some are just one paycheck, and and some are in trouble even as we speak, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, with credit crisis and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I just just wanted to explore that with you a little bit because I I think that there's something that happens with crisis that really shakes us to the foundation and helps us to think about things that are the most important.
2: Yeah, I think the scariest part about it is that we can see that about crisis. But, you know, we don't all have to fall uh, to understand there's a bigger picture in in life and Mm -hmm. God has a plan for our life. And, you know, we don't all have to fall flat on our face and have our rug pulled out from under us and and things. But too often that's the case. I mean, like myself, how many times did God have to try and get my attention? Sure, sure. Uh, And, you know... I try to be faithful now. I mean, sometimes he still has to give my attention. Hello, uh-huh. anybody in there? You <laughs> yeah, know. Right. But uh, I think the most important thing is that we listen when he when he knocks on our heart, you know. Um reminds me of Bill Gaither's uh, song, uh, Because He Lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Well, in my case, it's because he lives, I have a tomorrow. Sure. You know, Yeah. people say, well, it's nice to see you. Well, it's nice to be seen anywhere. I mean... It's nice uh, to be alive, I mean, you know. Sometimes day, you break it down to that.
0: Every day is a gift. Every a day is miracle. a miracle, right now.
2: It is, it is, and I, I think it can only get better.
0: Every day with a granddaughter, with your, with your
1: daughters. Your I didn't wife. think I
2: would see a granddaughter. I didn't think I'd see my kids graduate high school, and I did. Um, you know, I, I wondered what I would see. Yeah. I wondered how long I'd be around, mm-hmm. and here we are. We're meeting again at college, where I'm, you know. Pursuing my education and go, yeah. trying to better myself for even greater service, and, uh-huh. um, it's interesting how things go around.
0: Uh-huh. Um, Are there certain things that you emotionally hold on to that, when when you're going through a difficult medical episode or something, that that you, I mean, you you think about prisoners that that ha- that create a mental picture in their mind of something that carries them through a difficult time. Do you do do that at times?
2: I have to because like facing the the overnight testing this Friday. Yeah. I have no idea what the outcome is going to be of that. I don't. It it could be a change of some medication. It could be uh, some kind of declaration of some new illness or something. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But I know that God is faithful. You know, I I heard the word cancer, uh, you know, four times over over, uh, the times I had the melanoma. You know, I heard it all the three heart catheterizations. And, you know, I heard, you know, this is what happens. This is is what I'm going through. But every time I was faithful to God and He was faithful to me, I I made it okay. Mm -hmm. Um, How, I have no idea. Uh, You know, one day, you know, Him and I will sit down and I'll ask. You know, I've got a lot of questions. I, you know, I don't think that's wrong to say, you know, what what did this mean? Why did I have to go through that? What's that all about? Sure, yeah. But, um, you know, I think the hardest part for me... And I think about that, and I relate it to what I go through now. Is when I, I prayed when I was when I first heard I had cancer, I prayed, "Well, what, whatever Your will is, Lord, you know, let it be done." And I had cancer anyway. Yeah. You know, and, and that's very sobering. That even when they, you still get that diagnosis, you know, and it's still there, and they didn't get it all, and then they get it again, and then finally, after the fourth time, they've got it all,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then you go through this exhaustive process after that with all these treatments. God is still in charge. Mm -hmm. He he, he was God all the way through the whole process. And and still is. And whatever happens on Friday, he is still over all.
0: It's interesting. When I I take a look at the Apostle Paul and what he's written, um, there's one time that he says, give thanks in all things. Mm -hmm. And then there's another time that he says, give thanks for all things. Do you ever get to that point?
2: I... I, I can look back and, yeah. and thank him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like when I had the cancer, I went from I kissed my kids goodbye in Kansas City, and we drove to Houston for treatment at MD Anderson Cancer Center. I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. And I got down there, and, and God had put people in my path all the way down there to minister to me. People I didn't even know mm-hmm. that came and cried and prayed with me, and yeah. and uh, stood by my side. And uh friends of friends of friends. I I didn't even know them at all. They said, I'm a friend of so and so who's a friend of your friend named so yeah. and so it was just amazing and I looked back at that and I could see that. But at the time I don't know that I was thankful while in it.
0: Yeah. But you uh, but you got to that point.
1: But was, yeah, you, you could
2: look back, you could see God's hand on every every little detail. Mhm. Um and you know, even now it's like Twenty twenty things later, yeah. Is it hard for me to thank God for whatever I'm going to face Friday? No, I, I've been through so much. I, I mean, I'm living on borrowed time now. I should have been dead ten times, yeah. Uh, but I, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm very much alive,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so it's it's not hard now. Yeah. The first time it was, uh huh. You know, while you're in it or amidst it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, I, I heard people say, "Be joyful amidst you know trial and suffering." I, I don't know, I, I. I think about that, and, you know, I, it's not too shortly after, you know, not too long after that. Yeah. But I, I don't know right when you're in it. I, maybe mm-hmm. it's too close for perspective. I don't know.
0: Well, and I, I think about my life, and, I mean, I've had a couple small medical issues. I have my appendix out and stuff like that, but no, nowhere near what you have. And And I think about some of the suffering that I help lead people through. In our church setting where uh, they've lost somebody uh, a loved one has died or um, uh, they're going through some significant illness themselves and and I have really I've come to the point where I realize that there are well-meaning people mm-hmm. that uh, that say things that at the moment you don't want to hear
1: yeah and it might
0: even be something that's true but I mean, things like, well, it must be God's will or, you know, something like that. What, what, When you're going through a situation like that, what's the best thing that somebody can do for you at that moment?
2: Well, I, I, I kind of go back to the most emotional time for me, and that was with the cancer.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. that has such a finality to it. I mean, it even sounds tragic. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty frightening. And, it, you know, when I hear someone has cancer, it still sends chills up my spine. Yeah. Uh, but to say the word out loud, to say, I heard, you know, I hear you have cancer. Um, I want you to know I love you and I'm here with you, whatever you go through. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still going to be here with you because mm-hmm. I love you. And to hear the words out loud. Because I had so many people dance around and they didn't want to come around because they didn't know what to say. And I'm mm-hmm. afraid I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to say anything. Sure. And then you, you go through this alone. And mm-hmm. it's like the most horrific grief. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that it's done for me, um, I served at Ground Zero. I served at uh, Katrina at the morgue in, in Louisiana. Is It made me understand, I heard this once, that empathy is about you and what you're going through. And sympathy is about me. And and you put it into perspective when when you're ministering or you're wanting to care about somebody and you, you've had suffering and, and pain and tragedy and loss, uh, even if it's even the the fear of your own death, as I've had you know multiple times. But you learn how to serve. Yeah. And you know you learn how to serve other people and and while you may not know exactly what they're going through because you don't know what's going on in someone's mind or. Or the amount of faith they have, or the amount of fear that they have, because it's, it's different for all of us. But uh, you learn something about what it's like to suffer. And I don't know how, to, how, how I don't have to know how bad you're hurting to know that you're hurting.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, I don't have to be, to be a car to be a garage. You know, I mean, I don't have to mm-hmm. feel the exact same thing you're feeling to know what it feels like. But I know, hurt hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I once heard someone say, "Hurt people, hurt people."
1: Oh wow! You know,
2: and if something that hurt, hurt you deeply, you know, there's the danger again that bitter or better that where you, you know, you could hurt people because you've been hurt, mm-hmm. or you could heal people because you've been hurt. Yeah, you could be like a healing bomb. You could be the right word, or even just like the ministry of presence. You could just be present there. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what you said. Sure. Or they went, "Man, I, I don't remember what." You know, people said to me, but I remember who was there
1: mm-hmm.
2: when the chips were down, and I didn't know if I was going to live or not. I was in a, a foreign land, Texas. You know, I mean, that, I was in Kansas City, and my family was up there, and I was down there. Yeah. You know, I didn't know anyone at all. Did you have somebody translating
0: for you in Texas?
2: There? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, everything was bigger—the hospital and everything—that's for sure. But uh, that, so was their love and their grace down there. There's a lot of folks wow. I didn't even know. A lot but, of people
1: of faith. Yeah. Yeah,
2: just a lot of people that said, you know, somehow we're going to make this. Together, you're mm-hmm. going to live. You're a keeper, and they kept saying it over and over and over, day in and day out, for 13 days in the hospital.
1: Wow, and that's incredible. It was true. Yeah,
2: it's amazing that you know.
0: But I guess I guess in a certain sense, those words helped carry you through that, didn't they?
2: They do. It's very affirming to have somebody walk with you through something, even mm-hmm. like your darkest moment. Yeah. And often I'll refer to it as like the dark night of my soul. You know, when I when I really questioned God and really questioned what I'm going through. I don't know that it was that bad, but it, it it was horrific because my whole life was turned upside down,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I didn't know if I was going to be spared it in the end. Yeah, uh, but I was. And then I've had friends that have had the same kind of cancer, the same prognosis, and everything, and they didn't make it. Yeah. And I don't understand that. And you kind of get a survival's guilt. You wonder why am I living? And then you get all the more purpose in your life of, I really do need to live with purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've been given a second, third, fourth, and in my case, even a tenth or twelfth chance. Yeah. And it would better make a difference.
0: Again, Paul, rejoice with those who rejoice mm-hmm. and mourn with those who mourn. And, I, and I'm just encouraged by how you have been able to turn this pain into a healing ministry when you're dealing with other hurting people.
2: Well, it is. I, I think it goes back to what are you going to do with the pain you've got? Uh, In some respects, I think pain or suffering is a gift. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very odd gift. You know, I mean, I'd much rather have money or, Mm -hmm. you know, a new car or something. But but I think it's it's a gift because uh, you put life in perspective. I mean, life and death are real. Uh, They may face you multiple times, like in my case, or they may face you one time and then it's over in some cases. Um, But I think what you do with the gift... I think is the most important thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I think I've been given life to live. Yeah. You know, I've got to got to do that with the rest of it, however long it is.
0: So, do you think that part of your suffering times has been an identification with Jesus and His suffering, maybe?
2: In in the the most human, yeah. small fraction, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can't get anywhere near the new, magnitude, yeah. Um, I, it, it may, in some parts, have been as as frightening, all the unknowns and not knowing what's going on. And you know, I I didn't say the exact words in Aramaic, but I think I may have said, you know, my God, have you forsaken me? And you know, have you forgot about me? You know, am I going to die? Am I going to live? I and you know, I did a lot mm-hmm. of crying and praying. Sure. Um, but maybe in that that small regard, uh, but in no way did I ever suffer like the Lord did. Maybe just. Oh, yeah. Like a, like the songwriter says, a foretaste of glory divine. Yeah. Maybe just in that little small human just a little taste. Kind of fraction of it, I had a taste of what that was like.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, that was re- hard enough. But you really feel like God
0: is, can be glorified in suffering.
2: Oh, well, I know He can.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, that's the way I try to live my life.
0: And A lot of it has to do with our choice. Like uh,
2: I, I think it does. It has to do with, with, are you going to give Him the glory or are you going to be mad at Him all the time?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, initially I was mad. I, I questioned God. And the neat thing was, I, I found a chaplain at a hospital of, of a different faith, who said, "You know, I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, I, I would I would think something's wrong with you if you didn't question God and say, you know, what what am I going through this for? Am I going to live or not?" Yeah. And he said, "It's okay. You know, and I know there are some faiths that you know, it's not real nice to question God. You know, He's still in charge. He's overall, and and that's just the way it is. Don't don't ask. Mm-hmm. You know, don't ask no tell kind of." You know, don't sure. don't question God. You know, uh-huh. well, no, I mean that I, I had the right guy at the right moment, the right time for me, and he said, I I admire that, because you have to, to you, you yeah. process this, you have to question God, say what is this all about, uh-huh. and you know now looking back, you know, ten years clean from cancer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three years later after the gastric bypass, mm-hmm. you know, people say is it worth it all, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I think the best wow. years are ahead.
0: Wow, that's that's yeah. great. How has your preaching ministry changed as a result of this?
2: I I think I'm a lot less judgmental of people who question God or maybe struggle with their faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh because I did it.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, it's it's funny how you know when you preach and you consider that every time you preach you're looking in a mirror.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. It it
2: gives you a lot of perspective that you know, I, I used to preach and I'd question people. How could, how could, I didn't even question the disciples. I mean, that's a lot of that, that the hindsight is 2020 yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, how, how could they follow him all those years and not get it, you know? How did I follow him all those years and not get it? You know, and I'd question it every turn, and then I'm, you know, preaching and I'm preaching, you know, not really judgmental, but pretty critical of people who struggle with their faith, and there I was laying in the hospital struggling with mine.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, who do I think I am?
1: You know, I I think that
2: that puts a lot of perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's like you're preaching in a mirror after that. It's like, I can't judge you when I'm preaching that, you know, you're struggling with your faith and struggling with your identity as a believer, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're trusting God every day no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because I did. I mean, it's real. And I think, you know, more and more we need to be real. Mm -hmm. And I don't think God wants our... Abilities as much as our availability. You know, say here I'm, I am, nice and me, you know, that kind of thing. That's right. That's right. And Just being
0: available, making yourself available to yes, God. Yeah,
2: and I think it takes you all kinds of interesting places.
0: I also think about when uh, when David was suffering, and we, and we have the benefit of seeing a lot of his his wrestlings in the Psalms, mm-hmm. where sometimes it's almost like he's raising his fist to God and saying, "Why?" and mm-hmm. and um, and a little bit of complaining in there, obviously, but. Um, I always get the sense that God would rather have us complain to Him and still be talking to Him
2: mm-hmm.
0: than just walk away and leave Him alone and, and suffer without His help.
2: That that's what I picked up from all I've been through. I I think that you know I was talking to Him,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that all along you know I'm not saying God did it to get my attention. Uh, whatever reason it happened, you know, I, like I said, I'm going to ask Him one day, you know when I meet him and say, well, what was all that about? But for whatever reason, it got my attention.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if for nothing else, that was good to yeah. get my attention. Uh, and I think, well, I, I don't know if you heard the story about the, the flood. And uh, the the flood was overtaking a community and, and the sheriff's department came by in a boat and they said, get in the boat, we'll save you. And the person didn't get in the boat. And then the next time you see them, the water is up on the roof and they're on the roof waving their hands. You know, somebody save us. A helicopter sends a ladder down. and says, grab the ladder. We'll pull you to to dry ground. And they don't. They say, go on. God's got a plan for me. Well, that person dies. Yeah. They're standing in heaven. They go, didn't you hear me praying? I was crying out to you. You know, save me. He says, I sent a boat and a helicopter. I mean, what else could I do? (laughs) You know, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again and again, he got my attention and. And I want to say it was for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, can I tell you exactly what the reason is fully and completely now? No. but I know it was that all the rest of my days Mm -hmm. would be his.
0: Well, and I also get the sense that because you're alive today, that there's something, some result of that suffering that God will use in your life, in your ministry, maybe in your family at some Mm -hmm. point, that then you'll be able to take a look back again. Maybe we'll have a similar conversation in a few years, and you'll say, "Now I know a little bit more, but maybe yeah. not the full story. But I know a little bit more about what God was was preparing me for."
2: Yeah, that is true.
0: Yeah, and I and I get I I I get a little bit of a, a theology of suffering and understanding that it is not God's will that we would suffer.
1: No,
0: it, I mean pain death, sickness, is all as a result of of, of the fall and man's wickedness, directly mm-hmm. or indirectly. And, I mean, it's his will that we would all live mm-hmm. and and even live to eternal life. And uh, I, I really don't think he, I, I don't think he causes suffering, but I think he does allow that to happen in our lives, partly to prepare us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: partly to maybe build our character, our faith or, or whatever.
2: Well, I I think God has built a lot of character in me, and it, if if nothing else, I am a character. But uh, <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> you know, I I did a little play, a little wordplay, but
2: uh, I I think that that's exactly true because I think it's it's not what what you are, but what you become, in spite of all this. Yeah. You know, I mean, having gone through all this, how how can God use you?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um Almost immediately after coming back from my treatment with cancer, I had an older gentleman in my church that was going through cancer. And almost immediately I put to use all the the wonderful ways to minister and to love that people had used with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, within days. Wow. And uh, he's he's used me in that way multiple times. And like I said, just being there and knowing how to be there for somebody, you don't even have to use words most of the time yeah but being there and loving and caring
1: Just when most there
2: people there. don't even know how to say the word cancer or, or can't pronounce it you know afraid to say the wrong thing And people do say weird things a lot of times out of nervousness you might know, i was a hospital in a chaplain once uh, chaplain in the hospital once and a person said well god needs a little angel and they say some things that are really kind of kind of scary you know and, and they're kind of out of place but it's more out of nervousness than anything else. I think that people they don't know what to say. What do you say?
0: Uh, well, and I and I think maybe there's a there's a desire on the part of people to want to say something mm-hmm. that will make it better. You okay. want to say something that will relieve the suffering, and and I guess what I'm hearing from you is that it's just somebody being there, showing they mm-hmm. care, showing that love that that's there, and and. Maybe not even try to say anything.
2: No. Well, we try to fix things, it, particularly us guys. We you know, yeah. try to get the toolbox out and fix something. And You know, we always end up with extra parts and everything. But, you know, that, that, <laughs> at least I do anyway You no. know, Christmas Eve. But uh, that, That's not the key. I think the key is being there. Because, you know, what, someone told me once that people don't remember what you said. They remember you were there. That's all I remember. I, I know the names of the people that were there by my bedside when I went into surgery, mm-hmm. when I came uh, to after the surgery.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I have no idea what they said. Yeah. Uh, I I not for not for several days. You know, the wonder of uh, painkiller and things. You know, thank <laughs> God for that. But, yeah. You know, because I wouldn't want to feel that pain either. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that you know we want to fill things up with words and we don't like silence and space and things like that. But I, I think God uses that. I think the pain. It's real, and we just need to acknowledge that sometimes, that it's real and it's mine, It's bought and paid for. And I, you know, I'm going to make it through because you're my friend and you care about me and you're there. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know,
2: and I, I, that's what I try to do when I hear someone has cancer is I'm your friend, I want to talk to you anytime you want me to, mm-hmm. any hour of the night or day. Uh-huh. You know, if it's real early in the morning, call me, and I'll have my wife talk to you, you know. That's one of my jokes, but I, I, <laughs> I just want to be there for people. Yeah, And it's because people were there for me. Uh-huh. I think what you do with what you experience is the most important thing.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. Well,
0: I appreciate you coming, John, and, uh, and uh, sharing your life uh, and what's happened recently with you. And uh, I, I just want to let you know I'm going to be praying for you this Friday night and oh, uh, the, the tests and everything. Um, and I, I so much appreciate you being open and, and willing to share and and I give a sense that there's somebody out there that needs to hear that story, and that's why that's why we do this. That's why we we record this and so mm-hmm. get this online so people can hear it. But I want to see if there's anybody that you just want to say hello to out there who, who might be listening or you hope, hope that they will at some point.
2: Well, I, I think anyone um, anyone struggling with uh, health issues. Mm-hmm. uh they really need to you know get to a, a clinic or a doctor and get that all checked out and um, you know anybody that's even struggling and questioning their faith, I tell people cry out to God. if you're real, yeah. let me know. Yeah, that's right. Let me know. If you're real, let me know you're real. Uh, send somebody by my way to to share your love with me, share your grace with me, your forgiveness, you know your kindness uh whatever it is you need that day you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i god knows they can find that at the salvation army at the salvation army but i mm-hmm. think find it so many other places and sure. you know people have christian friends I, just tell somebody what you're going through they they do care they like myself i mean that's kind of a hidden secret and i mean i've been living with all that for years and nobody really knew it i i don't go it's not something you brag about no. Hey, let me tell you what I'm going through. You know, yeah. And I don't want like to bring any- yeah, I don't want to bring yet. anybody down, and I certainly want to keep myself up. But you know, I want to be positive about life and and uh, be busy doing the work. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: that, that, that's my advice. And you know, I don't know anybody in Kalamazoo, but keep eating your cereal and uh, the <laughs> things that <laughs> keep the local economy strong. And uh sure. you know, Mm-hmm. Take care of one another. It's, That's right. Well, lo- love somebody today. So. I mean,
0: we do have uh, Pfizer there, so there's some, you know, Lots of pharmaceuticals good, going good on there. Good work, going and on. And uh, Straker is a medical manufacturing company, so I probably, probably crossed
2: their paths. Probably slept <laughs> on their beds a couple times. <laughs> I probably and, have.
0: So, but uh, well, boy, thank, I, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you you coming and sharing with us, and and uh, just want to mention to all of the listeners out there, tell your friends about us, uh, MyStoryRadio Again, if you have questions or suggestions or you want to tell your story at some point, um, letters at mystoryradio.com is the email address. And we look forward to, to, uh, to, uh, I guess not seeing you soon, but maybe uh, putting out another podcast. I've got a couple, uh, couple of people that I've been talking to about, uh, talking about what God has been doing in their life, how their faith has, has changed, and, uh, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, see you next time on mystoryradio.com